Welcome to Crosspoint Community Church. We meet every Sunday exploring the practical, transforming, and relevant teaching of the Bible by doing life together. Visit our website at crosspointonline.org to learn more. Now, get ready for a powerful message from God's Word. Welcome. I just want to take this opportunity to welcome everybody to uh, Crosspoint this morning as we gather to celebrate and worship uh, the Lord. I'm going to take a quick scan. Uh, Y'all just got to bear with me, Facebook friends and family. I just want to take a quick look at these pretty faces right here on Zoom and uh, see what's happening here. Oh, yeah, that looks good. Uh, some of you, some of y'all don't see your faces, but that's all right. Not really. Uh, I'd love to see your faces. Uh, but uh, all right. Welcome. We are gathered to uh, uh, on this July the 12th to um, just worship the Lord. And I just again, just want to say uh, I'm so glad to to see each and every one of you. Glad to have all our folks from all around Georgia, have our folks from all around uh, Alabama and Florida, Texas, um, and uh, the state of Washington. I'm looking on here. Is Phil on here? Is old Phil hot up on here? Okay. All right. Well, I'm, there's a couple of folks that I really want us to, uh, as, as we come together today, we are gathering to really sit before the Lord, uh, experience his love and his resources and his presence, uh, and to celebrate him. Uh, but also as we gather as community to be able to uh, just encourage one another. As a matter of fact, that's what the Bible tells us in Hebrews. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And, okay. and that's what you're doing. You're not, you're not forsaking that, but we're coming together. And, and it says so that we can really exhort and encourage others around us. And so, uh, man, we've had a lot going on this last week. Uh, uh, I, um, I'm not the best at uh, orchestrating all this stuff and seeing what's going on, but uh, uh, just want to continue to lift up our brother, Doug Bailey, who uh, uh, had surgery, that knee replacement this last week, and uh, keep him in our prayers. Uh, Tom Brown, who had surgery uh, just a couple of days ago, um, pray for he and Nancy as he is recovering from that surgery. Uh, continue to pray for uh, sweet uh, Joyce and Jack Jones. Uh, Joyce uh, uh, is keeping a pretty good eye on uh, on Jack, and so y'all just pray for her. But uh, Jack almost joined us yesterday morning at our men's uh, Kingdom Man breakfast, uh, but uh, he he told me he called me later and he said I drove up and he said I've been doing so good at you know staying away from groups that well I uh, I turned around and went home. I said, you could at least got a biscuit before you went home. But anyway, whatever. Pray for Joyce and Jack. Uh, We got, you know, we've got a lot of we've got a lot of physical uh, infirmities going on. Uh, We want to continue to uh, lift up Rosa's mama, uh, Esther, um, who has COVID-19. We got some kind of praises. Want to continue to pray for uh, uh, Paul Magnuson's son, uh, David, uh, who, by the way, tested negative. Uh, for COVID. Uh, also, a big yay for uh, Aaron, Pastor Aaron and Stephanie. 
they went and had them a little uh, COVID test uh, uh, this last week, and they're both negative. So, you know, that's some good stuff. I um, uh, want to pray for my wife. She sliced her finger up uh, this past week trying to do a good deed. They say no good deed goes unpunished. Got seven stitches in her right index finger. Uh, it was her. It was not me. Uh, but pray for her um, uh, and, and just rapid healing. It hadn't affected her cooking, though. Hallelujah, down the glory. Uh, all right. Um, pray for sweet Sarah. So the date is set, uh, uh, C-section on July 23rd. That means in just a little over in a week and a half, I'll be a papadis, papadis. So pray for just uh, the health of Micah and, uh, and, pr and pray for Sarah, but pray for all of us too, you know, as we're putting up with her. All right, we want to pray for also the Darby family. Uh, and pray specifically for Brandon, uh, acquaintance uh, of theirs that uh, that they are just reaching out to help. That's really in a, a traumatic uh, physical situation. Um, but just to just be praying, just praying. So, um, if you think that prayer is not big, uh, well, think again. The Bible says very differently that God will show out and show off. Uh, his greatness and his glory as we just kind of demonstrate our faith on him and praying for him. So uh, shout out to uh, Phil. I don't know if he's on there. Is Phil hot up on there yet? Oh, he is, Phil. Uh, I don't see your, let me get over here and see if I can see your face. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to give a big shout out to him. Now, by the way, uh, me and my boys were supposed to be in uh, Anchorage, uh, well, uh, uh, Sodotna, Alaska today. Uh, but we couldn't get the results from a COVID test quick enough. Alaska requires a COVID uh, test, and you got to test negative in order for you to walk out of their airport, or else they're going to quarantine you somewhere crazy up there with some uh, big brown bears or something. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, so we're not there. A little bit, a uh, little bit sad about that because I wanted to uh, air from uh, the Kenai River in the background today, but we're not doing that. And that's where we met uh, Phil and his buddies, those big Oregon ducks up there. But uh, Phil uh, is uh, hanging with us for church today. And then he's leaving right at, they're leaving right at the, he and his bride, Jennifer, going on an anniversary trip, finally getting out after about four months. But uh, happy anniversary to Phil, to you and Jennifer. Uh, Thank you. We're praying for you and, th and thankful for you. And, and uh, thanks for hanging in there with us today. That's a good example to follow, y'all. You know, come to church and then go play. All right. There we go. Now, by the way, uh, you know, uh, y'all liking this shirt right here? You know, from now on, I think what I'm going to do is, um, you know, with a lot of the programs on TV, they say clothing and all that, you know, buy so-and-so. Well, if you can see this, most of you know, this comes from Matt, uh, the fro Dees. Uh, he is uh, dressing me up. So if you've got any qualms about that, y'all talk to Matt, uh, about it. But anyway, good to see you. So, uh, boy, there's a, a good, uh, powerful reminder from God's word for us today. And, and so I want us to just, uh, stop and pray, uh, and, um,
welcome the presence of the Lord as we're joined together today. All right, so let's pray together. Jesus, we just come before you and we thank you for your amazing love. We acknowledge that this is the day that you've made. And while we are, uh, Lord, all coming together from, you know, our homes and these separate locations, Lord, you are in our midst. We acknowledge that you're not Jesus, a historical figure, but you are present. For you say where two or three are gathered. In my name, I am there. And you are here. You are with us. And not only are you with us, but Lord, you're for us. And we thank you for that. Um, Lord, even from the mentioning earlier, there's a lot of uh, emotional issues, relational issues, physical issues. Uh, Lord, we are very needy people, but you are an awesome God that uh, desires to bring comfort and healing. Uh, and Lord, just um, your love to every one of our situations. And so I pray that each of us, Lord, uh, would lay down our pride and that we would open up uh, our very soul to you, that you would speak to us in such a way that, uh, Lord, that, uh, Lord, we just um, <laughs> experience all that you are. Lord, our desire today is that uh, we would know you better and that we would love you more, and through it all, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, all right. Okay, so um, uh, I've been sharing with you that, uh, and some of you have seen that I've been going to Grady, Alabama uh, a good bit here lately, uh, going down there and, and hanging out with Red, uh, my dad, and uh, y'all are always hearing me talk about, you know, uh, my dad and all that kind of stuff. And by the way, I'm not sure I would wear this shirt in Grady, Alabama. That's, I, I don't know if I could get away with that. I might get a whooping or something. No, hey, no offense, Matthew. But, um, uh, but the last time I was down, uh, my sister and I were, were, were talking about it. It was uh, on my mama's birthday. Uh, late June, and and uh, and we were talking about my mama uh, would have been 85 years old just a few weeks ago, uh, but we lost her in 2004. Um, uh, her body had just been ravaged for 10 years uh, with all kind of uh, sickness, with cancer and heart disease and all kind of stuff. And and uh, mama just a a, a beautiful lady, um, and. Uh, she, she was able to, she's a brilliant lady too, just brilliant. And so any of the smarts that I got, I got from my mama. No offense, dad, but I got from my mama. Now I got my work ethic from dad, uh, but uh, mama was able to accomplish you know, a, a feat that not many people are able to accomplish that grow up on the farm and that live on the farm. She had the most beautiful hands and fingernails, those long, and, and she kept those in the midst of shelling peas digging taters and doing all the kind of farm work. So that was an amazing feat in itself. But uh, uh, just, uh, you know, love my mama, miss her uh, greatly. But um, there's a phrase that mama always used, you know, whenever you're, you're just like, wow, what do we do with that? And uh, it was the phrase, what's this world coming to? You ever heard that? What's this world coming to? Um and usually that was, you know, after we had talked about somebody got caught cheating on a test 
or maybe <clears throat> we were talking about somebody that was just being a deadbeat, that they were being lazy and not willing to do the work they needed to be. And she'd go, what this world coming to? What's this world coming to? Whew, there's little wonder uh, in light of the evil and the destruction and the godlessness that we are seeing today that if mama were alive, she would be using that phrase quite often. What's this world coming to? You know, Jesus tells us explicitly, you know, what this world is coming to. If, if, if you and I, if the leaders, uh, as our leaders in our homes, uh, if the leaders in our communities, the leaders in our nation, the leaders in our world, don't bow before his sovereignty and his lordship. He tells us exactly what this world is coming to. And it's not a pleasant end. You know, down in Grady, and you've probably, you, you've probably used this phrase before, but we'd say, well, man, it's going to blank in a, ha- in a handbasket. You ever heard that? You ever heard that phrase? Man. Uh, uh, and, you, you know, you can fill in the blank. You know, going to, where, I don't know where that phrase come from. You know, as a matter of fact, I was looking it up last year a little bit. Or where did that phrase come from? And there's all kind of theories about that. But you know, going to blank in a handbasket. Hand well, uh, that's what's going on. You know, we are experiencing, you know, not an evolution, but a slow devolution of our culture into everything that the evil one is for. And everything that Jesus came to liberate us from. Uh, there's a passage in, in Galatians chapter five, uh, chapter 5, 19 through 21, that tells us exactly what this world is coming to whenever we push God out of the picture. And, and that's what uh, that's what really is the definition of wickedness is uh, forgetting God or evil, forgetting God. Uh, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Listen to this from the uh, Passion Translation. For he says, the cravings of the self-life, the cravings of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. You know, now, now see if any of this is a description of a lot of what we see going on in our world. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Wow. What's this world coming to? Um, we had a good time yesterday. Uh, the guys, the herd guys, while we are uh, reading and uh, reflecting on a book by um, Tony Evans called Kingdom Man. And uh, actually, uh, yesterday, as, as we got together for breakfast, uh, there was a story from one of the chapters that we read that... Um, talked about an Old Testament character's name is Shamgar. And uh, Shamgar 
is referred to in the book of Judges. And uh, let me just read a little bit of the excerpt of of what uh, Tony had to say about Shamgar. Y'all with me? You hanging in there? Okay. He says, uh, Shamgar, you know, was during the time of the Judges, and it was a time of chaos. Um, It would be akin, he says, to what we call a postmodern era. Uh, A postmodern era is basically when relativism rules. There are no absolute guidelines to govern individuals or the society. And so it says in the era of the judges, much like what we're experiencing in our culture today, the book of Judges recorded what it is said in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, that everyone did what was right in his own eyes. What was right for one person wasn't necessarily right for another. Each person did his own thing without any overarching rule or guidance. As you might imagine, it was a terrifying time in which to live. Now, the more and more, you know, that I am talking with others, I mean, there's a lot of concern uh, of what's going on right here in America. And, and it may be that you're like that. You're going, man, this is this is a terrifying time in which to live. And I think this is exactly what we're seeing right here in America. It's what we're seeing in our political system. It's what we're seeing uh, in our city streets. It's what we're seeing in our very communities, in our very homes. What is described in Judges chapter 21 and what is described in Galatians chapter 5. And so, so many of us as followers of Christ you know, we're, we're good folk. You know, we, we want to do what's right. We're going, what are we to do? And we're asking the same question that mama would always ask. What's this world coming to? And I think that uh, th- this is brings us back to what we have been looking at in Romans chapter 12. Uh, and, and what Paul said in that very first verse, he said, in light of God's mercy, And he says, in light of God's mercy, this is how you should live. In light of God's mercy, this is how you should live. And then he talks about how we experience the transformation and change in our life. Now, we have God's mercy. God is always at work, but he will not force himself on us. And it requires us coming to a place in our life to where we get away from this self-sovereignty and self-rule to saying, God, you are God and I am not. So Paul says, in light of God's mercy, then live like this. And so we, we've been looking at all of those verses. We looked at the first 12. And then last week, uh, we looked only at one verse, verse 13. This is how you should live. And, and it's saying you, li- you do this. As God transforms you, as God changes you, and because that's how it happens. Now, I, I was sharing with the guys yesterday morning that it's been just kind of hitting me uh, over these past months. <clears throat> I'm becoming so aware how much I've been shaped, you know, by the culture around me. You know how how I've how much I've been shaped by American Christianity. You know, it's like, man, you know, 
Yeah, I've got on the red, white, and blue. And it's like, I'm an American Christian. But God calls us not to be that. He calls us to be a biblical Christian. What does it really mean? And it's through these verses that he gets us, you know, our, you know, our cheeks in his hands. And he says, this is what it means to be a follower of mine. This is what it means to be transformed. And, um, and we see that in our text today. And our text today kind of exposes it even deeper. It deeper. And it's from Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 16. And this is saying, he's saying, in light of God's mercies, in light of God's mercy to you, here's what to do. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Woo. Well, as I was just sitting before that, I, I will go ahead and confess to you. I was going, that is not me. That, I mean, that's just not me. Bless those who persecute. Now, we don't know much of persecution in America. I mean, we're getting some resistance. You know, we're getting pushback as followers of Jesus Christ. Some of the freedoms that, you know, we know that God used to bless our nation are, are being restricted. But we don't we don't know much about persecution. But it says, bless, the, bless those who do harm to you. Uh, bless those uh, who have something against you. Uh, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Uh, it says, live in harmony, don't be proud, uh, be uh, drawn to people of low position, to low things. And, and, and quite honest, I was going, whew, that's, that's not me. That may be Christ in me. But, you know, in this particular passage, in all honesty, I had to say, I can't, you know, I can't, you know, but I love that phrase, you know, I can't, God never said I could, God can, he always said he would. And that's his promise for me and you as we, in light of God's mercy, and he's all the first 11 chapters of, of Romans, he was saying, this is what God did for you. This is what God's done for you. This is what God has done. This is what God has done. In light of that, let God transform you into the image of Jesus Christ. So, you know, as we look at those particular verses, he's saying, I want you to be a different kind of person. You know, I want you to be a changed person. In light of God's mercy, it requires change. Change. Um, bless those who persecute you. Do not curse them. Don't talk about them. Don't moan and groan about it. Uh, and what he is really uh, appealing to here is this radical inner change that we've been talking about, not a superficial change. The issue is really about what we feel in our heart. We all know how to kind of like, you know, smooth things over, you know, but uh, he's saying bless and do not curse. It's, it's from the heart 
We want things to go well from the heart. We want things to go well with these people who oppose us, who resist us, who do harm to us. Uh, we want we want things to go well with them both now and forever. Woo! How are you doing on that? Paul says, in light of God's mercy, in light of who God is and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to bless those who persecute you. Don't talk about them. Don't curse them. Don't wish evil on them. Don't wish bad on them. And he says, I want you to rejoice with those who rejoice. I want you to mourn with those who mourn. I ran across this and I thought it was pretty appropriate. You know, there's some reasons of why it may be difficult for you to rejoice with people who rejoice, others, and mourn with those who mourn. Uh, let me just give you a couple of reasons why you may find yourself not living like this, not living like this from the heart. Number one, one reason we might not be doing that is because we're just so wrapped up in ourselves. We're just too wrapped up in ourselves to rejoice or weep with others. We are so self-absorbed, so self-oriented. That's what that what is happening in the lives of other people uh, really has no effect on us because we're just all about me. Ask God to through His Holy Spirit to kind of examine your heart right now because this is what He's calling us to do. Or it may be that we just feel we just feel. Uh, above this emotional life of other people. You know, as God, we say, well, children laugh, women cry, you know, I'm a man, you know, and, you know, we kind of laugh that off. But what we are doing then is we're still about self. Um, it, it may be that one of the reasons that, that we don't rejoice with those who rejoice or mourn with those who mourn is because we have resentment in our heart. Or we're envious that they have joy and we don't have joy. You know, we, we, we're going and, and, and we don't want to admit it to others, but we feel gypped. We feel passed over. We feel like we've got a raw deal. So our envy and our resentment makes it impossible for us to rejoice with those who rejoice. And mourn with those who mourn. It, we just have a hard time because we're looking at our, our deficiency and we can't be happy for them. Wow. Paul says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you not understand? Do you not understand who you are in Christ? Do you not understand that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? Do you not understand that he is the perfect father and he does not withhold anything from his children? Well, what's going on here? See, really, the root of all of those particular issues of what makes it difficult to us is sin. And really, at the bottom of sin is, you know, the big old age problem, pride, pride. God resists the proud, uh, but gives grace to the humble. The root cause of not being the kind of person that really feels genuine empathy with those that are weeping is pride. That the real problem of not really being able to really feel genuine empathy with those that are rejoicing is pride. Wow. Now, I'm going to share with you uh, three uh, types of prideful people. 
All right. Now, this is tough stuff that we're talking about here, but we're looking at this in light of what's this world coming to? And Jesus came to say it can be radically different. I came that you might experience life and life abundantly. I experienced, I came that you may experience freedom, freedom to love, freedom to embrace. All right, all right. So three types of prideful people. I, I, I challenge you, I challenge you to say, Lord, help me evaluate, help me examine my heart and see if I'm any of these three kinds of prideful people. And, and it's more than that. But the first is this. See, pride's a problem. So what, what kind of prideful people? First is a self preoccupied person. Lord, am I a self-preoccupied person? This person is the one who thinks continually about himself. He might be a self-effacing person, you know, or somebody don't like attention, you know, uh, uh, and, 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 and therefore look kind of humble, like a humble person. But inside his cocoon, all he is consumed with is his thoughts about himself. He may not even like himself but he still is the center of his attention. His self-hate has no, no power to produce change. It just makes his pride pathetic and miserable. The self-preoccupied person. Second type of prideful person, self-infatuated person. Now, this person really does feel quite good about themselves. He is not only occupied with himself, but he likes being the center of attention and thinks others would probably like it as well if he were the center of the universe this is like oh it's all about me third type of prideful person the self-exalting person uh this person goes beyond self-preoccupation and self-infatuation to actively uh display efforts to uh of his qualities so he is active in displaying his qualities. Uh, here was a good example of that. It says, now, none of these people will have a heart that freely and naturally goes out with the joyful uh, to the joyful or sorrowful to the sorrowful. But this self-exalting person, this self uh, may turn out <coughs> to be an example, may turn out to be a politician, you know, in government or in business or in church and learn that it is politically expedient to weep with those who weep and laugh with those who laugh, but we know the difference between tears of an actor and the tears of a changed heart. God, am I this kind of prideful person? See, the, uh, the biblical Christian alternative to pride is not, you know, putting myself down, but it is faith in Jesus Christ as our creator, as our redeemer. The, the, the true Christian, biblical alternative to self-preoccupation, to self-infatuation, to self-exaltation is Christ's preoccupation, is Jesus' infatuation, is Jesus' exaltation. See, we're getting it off. We're getting it off me, and we're putting it on Jesus. It's like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And so, if I'm ashamed, you know, if I'm ashamed of Jesus, then well, I'm a prideful person. I, I'm I'm in one of those categories, or even you know, create a fourth, fifth, or sixth. 
um, thinking much and thinking highly of Jesus is what Paul is talking about. He says, in light of the mercies of God. Here's the change and the transformation that God brings into your life and into my life. Pretty powerful stuff. So he's saying, well, I want you to rejoice with those who rejoice genuinely from the heart. Feel it from the heart. Not just be PC on that. Uh, I want you to mourn with those who mourn. That means you know who's mourning. That means that you care about the people that are rejoicing and care about the people that are mourning. You paying attention? And then he says, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Uh, that word there, it says, associate with the lowly. It, really, the, the actual Greek says, I want you to be carried away with lowly things and lowly people. I want you to be drawn. You know, we're, we're drawn. We are affected. When Christ has brought about the change in our life, we are moved. Something happens inside us that sways us and carries us. And this is what it really means to be a, a true follower of Jesus Christ, to be transformed by Jesus Christ. We don't just make new choices. We are new creations. And we're drawn to these things. We're not always looking to be high and lifted up. We're wanting Jesus to be high and lifted up. So, I mean, I mean, I look at that that particular passage, and and uh, he just reiterates on so many different fronts. You can't do it. You get out there and think you can live the Christian life. You're gonna you're gonna fall flat on your face. It's all about Jesus, in light of God's mercy. So application response to what we're talking about here. As I was thinking about this uh, and, and even the previous verses and what he's saying, it really means and looks like to be a biblical follower of Christ, not just an American Christian, you know, not just a religious person. Uh, God ain't into that and it won't change anything. Uh, you know, religion it, uh, can really mess things up and mess people up. And uh, boy, we're seeing... <clears throat> multiple facets of religiosity in America today. And you've heard me say before, you know, some of the meanest people I know are religious people. Uh, boy, there's a lot of meanness and religion that's going on out there. And Jesus didn't come so that we could be religious. He came that we could be saved and transformed. What's this world coming to? Well, Jesus has already told us, apart from him, we will never experience the mercy and the grace of God. It's all through Jesus Christ. But practically for me and you today, here's what I believe is required of us in order for us to, to in light of God's mercies, to be the light and the salt in the world today. And, and to come up with an answer like, what do we do with all this stuff? What do we do with the hatred? What do we do with the division that we see out there? What do we do when we see such polarization? What, what can we do? And, and so, so many times we just want to throw our hands up and go, I don't know. I, I, I can't. Do. Yes, there are, there's three things I want, to, I want to encourage you to do. Write them down. Number one, I want to encourage you to daily surrender 
your life and your agenda to Jesus. And remember, you know, I'm, I'm going, God is revealing to me how much I have been conformed uh, to the, the culture around me. You know, my view of money, my view of God, my view of relationships, uh, my view of marriage, my view of what it means to be the church. Daily surrender your life and agenda to Jesus. Just, just come before him and just say, Lord, I'm going to lay this at your feet. I'm laying my life at your feet. And if you've never, if you've never, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to know the call, his call for you today is to, to experience life through him, to invite him into your heart and say, you will now be my savior and my Lord. I choose you, Jesus, the savior of the world, not religion. I choose you the person of Jesus Christ. Daily surrender. Get up every day and just say, Lord, I'm going to surrender this day to you. I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm surrendering my agenda to you. I'm surrendering my mind to you. Number two, daily receive his presence and his love. What does that look like? Jesus, in light and view of God's mercies, you are wanting to do such a work in my life that I am Jesus with skin on, but I must, I must receive all of him. You know, now we have him, but the way we receive his presence is number one, through his word, get in his word. You go, I don't understand it. Well, ask him to help you understand it. He'll show you a way. Get in his word. Uh, talk to others, do what we're doing as guys and we're sitting around a table and we're enjoying some food together and, uh, you know, uh, making fun of each other's mask or lack of thereof, whatever. Uh, but we are dialoguing about the things of God. Remember, change will never happen apart from the power of God and from community. Daily receive his presence and his love. Man, if you're struggling with God's love, who you're going to struggle in life. If you're struggling with the unconditional love of God and knowing that he loves you profoundly, man, you're not going to be a change maker. Number three, we daily surrender. We daily receive. Number three, we daily demonstrate the love of Jesus to others. Daily. Daily. There was a, a good article. Y'all know I'm a, I love old Jim Dennison. Uh, there was a good article by Jim Dennison uh, this past, uh, maybe it was Friday. And uh, he really, he, he really hit it home. And, and I think it's going to give some encouragement to me and you as far as what God's called us to be. See, uh, we pray that prayer, you know, the model prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then we look and we see how dark things are getting and how people are being so resistant to God. Is how all the hatred and the polar, and we go, what can I do? Oh, oh, we can, we can daily surrender. We can daily receive and we can daily demonstrate the love of Jesus to others.
All right, let me give you an example. Uh, he, in his daily article from Jim Dennison, he, uh, he puts this. He said, uh, uh, CNN host Don Lemon uh, made this statement. Now, he's not just picking it. He loves all of these. Uh, he says, Jesus, this is what Lemon said. He said, Jesus admittedly was not perfect when he was here on earth. All right, so that's just a kind of a, you just kind of, boom, just kind of. And we receive a lot of statements out there, but, you know, it's like, Woo. You know, Jesus admittedly was not perfect while he was here on earth. Well, if we take that and we just receive that and then get down all of a sudden, all of a sudden you have to acknowledge that if that is true, then Jesus cannot be the divine son of God. If that is true, Jesus cannot be your savior. If that is true, uh, he would have had to pay for his sins and not your sins. Boy. That's some tough stuff. But he, he used that example to say, you know, how in, in the world would someone that, you know, has a different view, a different life view, a worldview, or even religious view than me, how would I share with such an individual? And he, he says, man, I would, I would really appreciate being able to discuss the sinlessness of Jesus with him. But, you know, I, I, he probably already knows the biblical statements that I would cite. And in his worldview, truth is what we believe it is. And, and, you know, as we hear so often today, we'd say, well, I have a right to my opinion. So what do we do and how do we share in this post-truth culture? How can Christians, how can you as a follower of Jesus Christ share the objective truth of God's word with people who do not believe that the Bible is objectively true? How do you do that? And here's the example. This is what I want to leave us with. He said, one approach is to do what the first Christians did. In their day, quoting scripture to pagan Romans would obviously be less than persuasive. And he gives this example. Would a Muslim win you to their faith by quoting the Quran? Would a Mormon persuade you to join their church by quoting the Book of Mormon? It's not invalidating the scripture because the God's word is living and active. But listen to this example as far as the early church. He says, Early believers demonstrated the truth of Scripture by demonstrating its relevance in their lives. They could not persuade Romans biblically that life began at conception, so they rescued abandoned babies and raised them as their own. They could not convince Romans biblically that slavery was evil, so they purchased slaves and they set them free. They loved each other, and they loved those who did not love them, and they became the mightiest spiritual movement that the world has ever seen. For us to persuade and influence anybody requires that we demonstrate the mercies of God that we've experienced. What it is saying is this, you can't give what you ain't got. And, and what God is calling us to do is to come and surrender our lives to him but let me tell you something, you know, all those phrases in scripture that says, hey, let's get it on. Let's get right. Let's get moving because the days are evil. Wow. We know that. But you can't give what you ain't got. 
And the only way that we experience the abundant, matchless love of God, the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is whenever we surrender daily. We just say, Lord, I'm surrendering once and for all, but then we do it every day. Whenever we receive from him that for which we can't manufacture ourselves. And then when we very proactively demonstrate God's love. Let me ask you something. Who will you rejoice with this week? There's somebody going to be rejoicing. Who Will you run across this week that is mourning? And because of the transformational work of God in your life, you're not so self-absorbed and self-focused that you now, your heart is that of Jesus. And you came to give your life. See, that's what he's called me and you to be. That's what he's called us to do. But it starts first and foremost with us encountering the matchless love of Jesus Christ. My prayer and my hope is that God would continue to do such a mighty work in your life and in my life and us collectively that like those early Christians, that we would become a mighty spiritual movement that would bring glory to God. Let's pray. Jesus. You've already shown us and told us clearly through your word what this world is coming to. So much of what we're seeing right now brings delight to our adversary, to Satan and his legions, who is very real. But Father God, we also know that you say, that even though there's troubles and even though there are problems, you say, take heart for you have overcome the world. Lord, I pray that there would be a legion of overcomers today simply because not of what we can muster up, but because of your marvelous mercies that we receive and that we demonstrate in our life each and every day, all for your glory. Lord, I pray uh, that your kingdom come and that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For we make it our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CCC Roswell. Learn more and find ways to get plugged in at Crosspoint by visiting our website, crosspointonline.org. There, you could drop us a line or submit a prayer request. Like what you hear? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.